Thanks for checking out the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. To find out more about us, visit our website at iloveelevate.com. You can also stay up to date with what's going on by finding us on social media platforms like Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and sharing it with your friends. We hope you enjoy this message and it brings you closer to Jesus. I'm very honored to open up the stage to our speaker tonight. He needs no introduction, but I'll give you a little backstory. He is the one guy that hired me (laughs) with a late night meeting at IHOP. He was a young adult pastor for seven years. He grew up an evangelist kid. He is a really good guy. His heart is for Jesus. He brings strength and boldness with humility, which is really powerful. And it's an honor to welcome to the stage, Pastor Ben Bufkin. Man, well, I'm glad to be here this evening. I forgot what it's like to speak at the lighthouse that I can't see you guys when I come here to speak. It really is true. I, I see like the first row, that, that's about it. Everyone else is just kind of hazy. You guys feel hazy here tonight? A little bit. Maybe the haze will lift. Maybe that, that will happen. <laughs> but I do remember that um, IHOP dinner, late night dinner, uh, where me and Dominic were talking. Pastor Renee was still the pastor at Living Word. And um, I felt like, you know, I'm going to be the pastor at Living Word just a couple of months after that. I'm like, I want to know the, the incoming youth pastor. I want to know what, he, what, what he's about and his heart. And so I kept him there for three hours, I think it was. My wife was texting me and said, let the poor guy go home. <laughs> and I said, well, I'm not done yet. <laughs> and uh, I'm so, I was so honored that Dominic, that the Lord uh, laid on Dominic's heart to come here because he could have gone other places, but the Lord called him to be here in Homa. Uh, at Living Word Church, and it is an honor that he's our youth pastor. You guys have a great youth pastor. Do you do you agree with that? And a great youth pastor's wife, Jackie. You can, amen. You guys have a great team, a great great team of leaders. You can clap for your leaders as well. Great team of leaders. And so I, I'm excited to be here tonight. So I just want to open in prayer and uh, ask that the Lord would help me and would help you as we open up God's Word. Lord, we come before you. This evening, and God, I thank you for the privilege of uh, speaking to your children here this morning. God, we are your sons and your daughters, and God, you love us, and you have a plan for each of our lives. And God, I ask, Lord, that you would help me to be able to communicate clearly, communicate from your heart. And God, I just thank you for this privilege uh, to share your love, to speak your truth. Lord, we love you. Lord, this is about you. It's not about Ben Bufkin, but it it is about Jesus Christ. Lord, we honor you here tonight. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, applause for the prayer. So, all right, so we'll see if I get applause for my message. So I got a question for you as we we begin the message here tonight. So when you see a baby, when you see a newborn baby, what do you think? What are some words you think of when you see a baby? Oh, all is not a word, but it's it's an expression, right? Oh, but what do you think of? Shout some words out to me. Cute, fragile, fragile. Yes, absolutely. I, I remember sometimes, sometimes when you talk to a a, a young man, uh, they just you know they, he just gets married and him and his wife have a baby. It's their first baby. Sometimes you can have a young man that's a little too that's nervous to carry to hold his baby for the first time because he feels like maybe if I if I'm not too careful, I'm going to break the baby. Right. So fragile is a good word. Any other word? Sticky. Sticky. It can get sticky. I will admit I have four kids and uh, they have gotten sticky from time to time. Uh, Anybody else? 
Cute, cute. They smell really good. That's probably 50% of the time. That is true. They smell really good. Anyone else? Shiny? <laughs> Shiny, but tiny. Yes, yes, tiny, tiny. Okay, so is, is there any other type of words you would think? Clean. Okay, so. Oh, there we go. Now we're getting so innocent, innocent. Now you're kind of looking in my notes. That's actually the second word of second word I was going to use to describe a baby. So innocent. So here's the words that I think of. I think of I, th- I think of beauty. I think of beauty. I think beautiful. You think you look at a baby and you just think how beautiful this child is, you know, and I'm a little biased. I think my children are were probably the most beautiful babies that ever uh, were born to humanity, uh, especially my, my, my current little precious baby, Lincoln. He's a, he's a little boy. He's nine months old. And, uh, and, and I, he's, he's, he's pretty right now. You know, at some the different, you know, boys go in different stages. When they're first born, they can be pretty, but then they become handsome as they get older. Lincoln's in the pretty stage. He has the most pretty eyes right now. And so I think of beauty. I think of innocence. Innocence. I think of just, they're completely innocent. They've not been corrupted by the world yet, right? They don't, they don't understand what's going. They have not been corrupted yet. Uh, helpless. I think of helpless. If, look, if your parents, listen to me, if your parents left you alone after you were born, maybe you don't like your parents. How many of you don't like your parents here tonight? And they're never going to find out because I don't know your parents. I know some of them. You raise your hand. Look, if, if it was not because of your parents, you would not be here. That is real life. I'm telling you, they, they made a choice to feed you. They could have said, no, I'm not going to feed you and you would not be here. You're helpless when you're born. Is that not true? You're helpless. You have to be helped or you're not going to make it. Dependent, that's the same type of word, helpless, dependent. And here's some other words I think of. I think of future. I think of the future. I think of opportunity and potential. So I see beauty. I see innocence. I see dependence. But then I see the future. I see opportunity. I see potential. I see what can be. Do you guys see that with me? Potential, opportunity, the future. So I want to show you a picture of a baby. I want to see what you think of, of this baby. It's kind of hazy, kind of fuzzy. Who does that baby look like? You think it's me? Joel, does it look like Joel to you? Pastor Renee. <laughs> that picture is none other than Pastor Ben Buffkin. That is me. That is in... Uh, I, I don't know. I should have asked my mom how old I was there, but it looks like I'm approximately six to nine months old. So that's that's probably September, October of 1981 right there. And um, so but check out this next picture. Look at that. And that, that, I look the same, don't I? Still got the comb over happening. Right. Just still got the comb over. Just don't have any glasses. I don't know. I think I'm probably four or five years old right there. When you didn't look like Joel right there, that looks like my son, Joel. Uh, if you look at Joel's pictures and, and Lincoln, Lincoln's going to look just like that, too. But I just wanted you to look at me. I really had no reason other to show my pictures other than to show you my cuteness when I was young. I'm still. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. My wife is over here. She thinks the same thing, too. So listen to me. 
That's what I think of when I think of a baby. I think of innocence. I think of a vulnerability. I think of, of dependence, but I think of the future. I think of, of potential. I think what, what's going to happen in this child's life and what couldn't happen? What, what can God do in that child's life? And this is what I think of when I see you. When I look at you, when I'm in this room and, and I look at a group of young people that are here on a Wednesday night, and you could be many other places tonight, but you've decided, you've made a choice to come and to worship God. When I, when I see that, I think that is amazing. That is powerful. That is something that, 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 that should be celebrated. And, and, and when I see you, I see hope. Because listen, it's not easy in our world today to serve the Lord as a young person. It's not easy in this world to make a stand for Christ, to believe in Jesus. To you know, People will, rid, will ridicule you and mock you for your faith in Jesus Christ as a young person. And it's going to increasingly become more and more, more and more difficult to do that. And so the fact that you're here, when I see you, I see, I see hope for the future. And this is what I want to tell you here tonight, that you are all very precious you're all very precious and valuable. You're all very precious and valuable. Listen to me. Some of you maybe think, well, maybe I'm really not that valuable. I'm really not that precious. But I want you to hear that tonight that you are very valuable and very precious and very beautiful, that God designed you to be here. If you are here sucking air tonight, it's because God designed you to be here. Right? You, you're not here by accident. You're not the result of a cosmic accident. You're not the result of, uh, of the process of evolution from billions and billions of years ago. You are here because God created you. The, the book of Psalms says in Psalms 139, it says that, that we were fearfully and wonderfully made. It says that, 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 that before our life ever took shape, that God knew us and he formed us. He knit us together in our mother's womb. And so because of that reality, because you're not an accident, then I'm just here to tell you tonight that you're precious, that you're valuable. And I also want you to know that God has a plan to use you here tonight. God has a plan for your life. Maybe some of you feel like, maybe you feel like, well, I'm really not that needed in this life. I don't have a lot of gifts. I don't have a lot of talents. I'm, I'm, I'm really just uh, kind of here, you know, I'm, I take up space. Maybe some of you feel like that. Maybe you feel like I just take up space and, and, and I'm not as talented as other people. But I want you to know that God, if God designed you to be here on planet Earth, he didn't just design you to be here to take up space. He designed you to be here so that you can contribute to the purpose of the gospel being spread all around the world, everywhere that you go. He designed you to be used for his glory so that his name would be worshiped. Now, I'm speaking to you as a believer. I'm speaking to you as a Christian, right? So if you're a believer here tonight, God designed you to, to, to glorify his name, and, and, and he wants to use you. He has a plan for your life, and it is a good plan. And some of you hear that all the time, right? If you're, if you're a Christian, you come to the lighthouse on a regular basis, or you go to a church on a regular basis, you hear, you'll hear the preachers say that. God's got a plan for your life. And I'm here to tell you the same thing. I'm here to tell you that that is true. God has a plan for your life. Do you believe that? Yeah, you can nod at me. You can talk to me. This, this can be an, an, an interactive message. Do you believe that? God has a plan for you? Do some of you struggle at times to believe God has a plan for you? Yeah, I've, I've, I've been there. I've, I've been there at times. And even in the middle of what I know is God's plan for my life as the pastor at Living Word, I still struggle 
with understanding God's plan. I still struggle with like, okay, God, what am I going to do here? I know this is what you call me to do, but sometimes I'm confused. Sometimes I struggle. And so we're going to, we will always go through that in our life, but you have to settle it in your heart. The understanding and the reality that, that God created me for a specific purpose. And I want you to know that. I want you to hear that. And if that's all I say here tonight, it's one of the most important things I want you to hear. But the next thing I want you to know, on, to, on top of the reality, or right next to that reality that God has a plan, not on top of, but right next to the reality of God's plan for your life, there's somebody else that has a plan for your life. And some of you may, may think, well, who else is out there that has a plan for my life? Well, there's somebody else out here, and his name is Satan. The enemy of your soul, Satan, has a plan for your life. I want you to hear this scripture. 2 Corinthians 2, 11 says this. It says, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. In some translations of that verse there, use the word scheme. And so here's the, here's the idea. Satan wants to outwit us. And he has schemes and plans that he has for our life. God has a plan for your life. He wants to use you for his glory, but Satan has a plan for your life. He wants to deceive you, to outwit you by his schemes. He wants to deceive you and outwit you by his schemes. And what are his schemes? What are his strategies? What is he trying to do? Well, scripture tells us what he's trying to do. John 10.10 says this. Jesus said this. The thief, the thief. And Satan is described as a liar. He's described as a thief. It says here, the thief comes only. Satan comes only, has come only to steal from you, to steal from me, to kill us and to destroy us. But God says, Jesus says, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. So God has a plan, but Satan has a plan. You're ordained to be here by God, but Satan wants to stop that plan. Satan wants to hinder you. Satan wants to sidetrack you. Satan wants you to get off of the plan that God has for you. And Satan's only desire is to steal from you, to rob from you, to destroy you, and ultimately to kill you, to end your life so that you will not have the influence and, 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 have the, and, and be a part of the plan that God has for you. You, you guys follow me here tonight? And so what I want to do here tonight is I want to talk about, I want to talk about the reality of the potential that's in this room and the plan that God has for you and what God can do. But, but if you're going to fulfill that plan and you're not going to follow the plan of the enemy and you're not going to be distracted by the enemy and you're not going to follow the, 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 the path that he asked for you, you're going to have to think differently. And so I know Dominic that Pastor Dominic taught through the book of Ecclesiastes just recently. But we're, we're, we're going to go to Ecclesiastes 12 and have one verse that I want to build a, a thought from. I have three simple thoughts. So let's read Ecclesi Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1. It says this. It says, remember. Say, say the word remember with me. Remember. Remember also your creator. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth. Before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. So Solomon is saying here, he's saying that you need to, while you're young, to remember your creator. 
He's saying that while you're young, you need to remember your creator to serve God, to pursue God while you're young, because when you get old, it's going to get challenging. It's going to be difficult. And the enemy has a plan for your life. But while you're young, you need to remember your creator, to acknowledge him. Do you remember I told you earlier that God created you? God is your creator. You're not here by accident. And so the plan of God is that while you're young, that you would serve God. While you're young, that you would serve God. And so this is what I want to do. I have three encouragements for you here tonight. All of you who consider yourself young, and I consider myself young. I'm young like you. I know I look just like you. I was on the Nichols campus for lunch this afternoon, going to meet uh, Dr. Chad Chadwick Young, who's a, um, uh, a professor of... <laughs> you know what he's a professor of him and his wife he's, he's a scientist uh, he studies the stars he's an astronomer he's a brilliant man and so I had lunch with him today and him and his wife Kaiza and I'm walking around the campus with them going to the, to the cafeteria and I, I looked at him and I said so do you think if I got me a Nichols tag and put it on my car and I just kind of dress like a college student that I could just you know, go into any class and no one would ask me any questions they said absolutely I said, and that is true, right? So I'm still young. I'm 37 years old, but I still feel like I'm your age. So I'm considering myself. These are encouragements for me, and they're encouragements for you. So three encouragements for us all here tonight while we're young. Here's what I want to tell you. First encouragement is this. Do not tithe your youth to the devil. Do not tithe your youth to the devil. So what does it mean to tithe? Tithing is a principle that we see in scripture, and the word tithe means a, a, a tenth or a portion, and it's talking about the first portion, right? So let's say I make $1,000 in a month, and so I want to honor God with the first portion of my money, so I would take $100 of that thousand, that tenth, the tenth of that thousand, and I would give it to honor God. So this is the principle. This is the principle behind what, what, what I'm saying here. Don't tithe. Don't give to the devil, your youth, right? So let's say you all, we live to be an average age of 75 years old, right? So the first portion of your life are your teenage years, from adolescence to teenage years to your young adult age, right? So what I'm saying is, is don't give to the devil, to his ways, his plan for your life. Don't give him the best time of your life as a youth, and this is what I want to tell you. You do not have to live for the devil as a kid. <laughs> you don't have to live for Satan as a young person. You don't, you don't have to do that. You don't have to, listen, you don't have to smoke. You don't have to drink. You don't have to sin sexually as a young person. You don't have to do all the things that you see that the world is doing. Do you guys believe that? Listen to me. If you're not listening, listen, pay attention. You don't have to do that as a teenager, as a young person, as a college student. And I, and I know growing up right now, you think, well, well it's, it's difficult and it's hard and there's lots of pressure. I'm telling you, you don't have to do it. You don't have to give it. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ here, here tonight, you, you can follow after God as a young person. It is possible to do that. You don't have to compromise your standards. You don't have to tithe to the devil your youth. You can take the time of your teenage years and you can serve God with your whole heart. And you can go into your adult life not carrying this, this trail of baggage behind you of broken hearts and sexual sin 
and struggle and pain. You don't have to carry that into your adult life and have to deal with that. You can serve God. Do you believe me? You can serve God. You can make decisions to honor God during the days of your youth. And you can resist. And here's, and here's the strength that God's given us as believers. He's given us as believers the power of the Holy Spirit that resides in us. And that when we're around our peers, when we're around our friends, when we're at school, when we're on the college campus, when we're at our job as a young person, and there's pressure and there's temptation to do things we know we shouldn't do, we don't have to give in. We don't have to follow the crowd. We don't have to, you know, there's this idea that's out there. I don't know, maybe it's a term that is maybe not um, something that we say nowadays as young people, but it's a term called sowing your wild oats. Who in here has ever heard that term? That's under the age of uh, 30. Anybody ever heard that term? Most of you have not heard that term. Who has not heard that term, sowing your wild oats? <laughs> okay, so technically I don't even know what sowing your wild oats I don't know exactly why they would describe it as that, but here's the idea of sowing your wild oats. It's this idea that kids are going to be kids. You know, hey, yeah, maybe, maybe, you know, eventually they're going to serve God. But while they're young, you know, you just got to let them be kids and they're going to, they're going to mess around with drugs a little bit. They're going to mess around with alcohol a little bit. And they're going to, they're going to mess around with their boyfriend and girlfriend a little bit. And they're going to experiment because they got to really figure out and figure out if this is really what they want. They got to make a decision. You know what? That's a bunch of baloney. That's ridiculous. You know, I think about my kids. I think about my kids. If that logic is true, like, where's the hope? Like, seriously, is there no hope in the gospel that, that, that a young person can choose to follow Christ and actually abstain from the world? I believe it's true. You don't have to sow your wild oats. You don't have to tithe your youth to the devil. You don't have to follow your friends. You don't have to go after the path that they go after. You can choose differently. Do you know that Satan has never changed his strategy? He's never changed his strategy. So I told you he has a plan. His plan is to, to do what? what? What's his plan? Steal, kill, and destroy, right? Man, somebody got some listeners here tonight. Steal, kill, and destroy, John 10, 10. But what is his strategy? How does he do this? Do you remember back in Genesis this is when Adam and Eve fell and they rebelled against God. God said, I'm giving you this, this, this entire garden that you can eat from. I'm giving you this garden. I want you to tend it, to keep it, to take care of it, to be fruitful, to multiply. And you have all of these pleasures that you can take part in. But there's a, there's a tree over here that I don't want you to eat from. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I forbid you to eat the fruit of that tree. And of course, the serpent Satan, in the form of a snake, comes to Eve and whispers to Eve and begins to communicate to Eve. And this is what he says to Eve. And this is his strategy and has always been his strategy. Genesis 3.1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say? Did God really say? You shall not eat of any tree in the garden. That's his strategy. Satan's strategy is to get you to believe that what God says is not true. And what God's word says is that living the believer's life, living a life to follow Christ produces peace in your life. Following after the Lord, following after the Lord and walking righteously as a believer gives you peace, gives you joy, gives you rest. You have contentment. 
Your relationships are better. Your, 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 your outlook on life is better. Your, your future is in his hands. And the enemy wants you to believe that God's plan of living for him is not good and is not right and that there's a better option out there. It's still the same strategy. And I want you to know you don't have to test out the ways of the world to figure that out. I want to say that again. You do not have to test the ways of the world just to figure that out. You know, I've heard people say when they talk about dating, who in here has a boyfriend or a girlfriend? Maybe you don't want to admit it. Maybe I don't want to admit that here tonight. But, you know, I've heard the idea that, you know, I just kind of kind of date around to figure out what type of person would be good for me. So, you know, in your teenage years, your young adult years, you like you go through several boyfriends or girlfriends to try to figure out what my tastes are like. That's the best baloney, too. I just had to say that's kind of crazy, too. Right. Because here's what happens. You get involved and you date somebody and you're like, well, I don't really like that person. But you spend about six to nine months figuring that out and you invest emotionally and they invest emotionally and then your heart gets broken. So then you take this piece, you take your heart that's had a little piece chunk taken off of it. And you go to the next person and you you say, hey, you want to try to figure out for a little while if we're good for each other? Hey, that sounds like a plan. Let's sign up for that. And you start dating each other. And then you figure out six to nine months later, maybe a little longer. Man, I don't really like this person. That really is not good for me. And then so then your heart has another chunk broken off of it. And then you go to the next person. then Then you go to the next person. And by the time you've figured it out, by the time you've figured it out, your heart's been broken and stepped on and ripped apart and you're wounded and you have baggage. That's not the plan. And so that same idea about your Christian life is true. You do not have to take and try the things of this world that the enemy wants to use to destroy you just to figure out that it's not good. We have enough evidence to prove that the ways of the world are not good. Just look around you. Look at the addiction. Look at, look at the suffering. Look at, look at the suicide rate of people. Look at, look at the people killing themselves. Look at, I, I heard Dominic say it in his first message in, in, in Ecclesiastes. Look at, the, look at the Hollywood superstars that we, that we would think have everything that we would want, right? They have money. They have fame. They have fortune. They have respect from the world. People want to be around them, and yet they're killing themselves, Why is that? Because they've tried everything the world has to offer. They've tried the money. They've tried the pleasure. They've tried the sex. They've tried the drugs. They've tried everything. And they're proving to us, the world proves to us over and over again that it doesn't satisfy. So you don't have to tithe your youth to the devil. You don't have to do it. So if you're here tonight and you have in your heart that what what, what I'm saying really speaks to you, and you have that desire that, yes, I want to do that. What Pastor Ben is saying, that's how I feel. But I struggle. I struggle with the pressure from my, from my peers and from my classmates. I just want to tell you, get some new friends. Get some new friends. It is worth it to pursue after the Lord. Psalm chapter 1, verse 3 says this. This is describing the person who follows the righteous path. We can say he or she is like a tree that's planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and all he does or she does, he or she will prosper. 
That's the way of the righteous person. That if you will pursue after the Lord, that all that you do will prosper, that God will bless you. God will bless your life. So here's the second encouragement. In, in line with this, if you are going to not tithe your youth to the devil, if you are, are going to pursue God in your youth and give God the best of your youth, while you're young, before you become an adult, before you have bills, before you get married, before you start having children, before, before life gets really difficult, if you're, if you're going to give God your youth, you're going to have to remember this encouragement. Number two, birds of a feather flock together. Birds of a feather flock together. Okay, here's another phrase that probably none of you have ever heard. Just like, what was my first phrase? Wild oats, yeah, just like them, them, them wild oats. Who's ever heard of the phrase, birds of a feather flock together? A little bit more. Okay, all right, all right. So this is, this is, a, this is a proverb that's uh, kind of been used since the mid-16th century, and this is kind of what it means. It's, it's the idea that in nature, birds of a single species do, in fact, frequently form flocks. And bird experts, uh, I actually had the name of the bird experts in my notes and I couldn't pronounce it, so I just kind of left it out. So we're calling them bird ex- experts here tonight. Bird experts explain this behavior as, as safety in numbers. Safety in numbers. Hear this, safety in numbers. So here's the idea. If you don't want to tithe your youth to the devil and his ways and you want to pursue God and follow after his ways, you need safety in numbers. You need to be around people that have the same type of feathers as you. Birds of a feather flock together. People that are alike need to hang out together. If, and so if you are in a group of friends who want to serve the devil, who want to follow after his path, who want to hang out and do things they should not be doing that are dishonoring to God, take your lunchbox and go home. Take your ball and go home. Go somewhere else. Find somebody that's following after the Lord. And more than likely, that person is going to be by, by themselves, just like you're by yourself. And, and you'll be a great candidate to make a new friend. So you have to find people that have the same mindset. Who, who's, who's ever heard this phrase that, that show me your friends and I'll show you your future? I looked up, I looked up that phrase and I cannot, does anybody know, know where it came from? Like I, could, I wanted to quote the, the guy who came up with it, but it's, it's, it's a brilliant phrase. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And that's true. Show me your friends right now and who is investing in your life, who you're spending quality time with, and I will show you what your future will look, will look like. And what, what does that mean? Listen to me. All eyes on me. Listen. The friends that you hang out with the most, the things that they value will be the things that you value. The things that they love will eventually be the things that you love. And here's, here's a picture here. So I, I need a volunteer. I guess I'll use my son since he can. I mean, I, I, okay, so, so Joel, just stand right here. So what do you guys, Joel, why don't you face me? Okay, so which is easier? Is it easier for me to take Joel and pull him up on the stage? And you, you, you don't have to come up. You don't have to make it easy for me. No, I'm pulling you up, right? The idea is that I've got to pull you up on stage, right? So it, I'm not going to actually do this. But if I try to, and you, you didn't help me, and I ha- just, so don't try to help me, just kind of be, be dead weight, right? So if I'm having to put him on here, right? It's, it's a little bit more challenging, but if Joel, okay, but if Joel tried to pull me down, how, grab my hand, is it a, it's a little easier, you can try, 
<laughs> but I'm, I'm going to brace myself because I don't want to fall down. But it'd be easier for him to pull me down, right? Thank you, Joe. So oh, I, want to give you, I wanted to give you that. I wanted to give you that, that visual that it's a lot easier for somebody that is not serving the Lord, that doesn't have your values. And it's just, just for way of example, we're, those who believe in the Lord are following his ways. Let's just pretend we're up here, even though we're not better than those who follow, who don't follow God. But this, we're, we're up here, they're down there. It's a lot easier for them to pull you down to their ways, to pull you down to their values. It's so much harder if you're spending your time trying to pull them up and they are not on the same page as you. They don't value what you value and they're not pursuing the Lord. It's so much easier for them to just pull you down. Decision after de- de- decision after decision, influence after influence. Your 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 courage to stand on the truth will erode away over time. So birds of a feather must flock together. You need we need strength in numbers. Listen, do you remember your 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 mom or your grandmother may have told you this phrase? Uh, Bad company ruins good morals. Have you ever heard that phrase? Bad company ruins good morals. How many of you know that's actually from the Bible? Who knows? Raise your hand if you know that that's from the Bible. How, how, how many of you heard the phrase and you didn't know it was from the Bible? It's actually from the Bible. It's scriptural, right? It wasn't just what your mama, your, your mom and your mama told you or your grandpa told you. Bad company corrupts bad manners or, 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 or good, bad company corrupts good morals. It's actually biblical. It's biblical truth that if you hang around bad people, that don't pursue the things that you're pursuing and following after the Lord, it's going to corrupt you. That's 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Don't be deceived. Hear me. Don't be deceived. You think, well, I can just hang out with them. I can just spend time with them. I'm trying to witness to them. It's one thing to witness to somebody and try to win them for the Lord. It's a whole other thing to spend quality time with somebody, to, 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 to be with them the majority of, of your hangout time. You can witness to somebody and not spend quality time with them. You have to spend quality time with those that have the same values that you have. Psalm 1, do you remember when I read Psalm 1? I'm going to read it again, Psalm 1, but I'm going to read verses 1 through 6. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. So blessed are you when you don't walk the same way that the unbelievers walk. You don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. You don't walk in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Because of that, he will be like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked, however, they're not so, but they are like the chaff. Do you know what chaff is? It's like the waste. It's like the, it's like the, the, uh, you take a, 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 um, corn or you take wheat and, and you take what's not good to eat. It's the waste material. It's like chaff that will easily be blown away and, and there's no substance. But the wicked, they're going to be like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment. When God comes to judge, the wicked will not be able to stand. How are you going to stand when you stand before the Lord? Listen to me. I'm almost done. I've got one more point. How are you going to stand 
What are you going to stand on when we all, when you stand before the Lord at that day, on the judgment day? What are you going to stand on? You know there's only one thing to stand on? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the blood of Jesus. You know that nobody goes to heaven. There is no one that will go to heaven apart from Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and the only way to the heavenly Father. So what are you going to stand on? They're they're wicked. They have nowhere to stand. And that's why it says in Psalms 1 that they have nowhere to stand when the judgment comes, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked, he has no intimate knowledge of their life because he's not involved in their life. They're not serving him. So you guys with me so far? Don't tithe your youth to the devil. You don't have to serve the enemy in his ways. You don't have to experiment with things just to figure out, oh, that's really bad. You can know that they're bad and you can make decisions right now that I'm, I'm just not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And I know my mom and my dad and my, my, my grandparents and my teachers and my coaches and, and my youth pastor, they, they tell me that I should not do these things. And the reality is true is that they are all right because they're all telling you what the Bible says. And God's word is ultimately what is true. And so you don't have to follow those ways. Listen, don't believe the lie. Don't believe the lie that to fit in, you have to conform to the ways of, of this world. Don't believe that. So here's my last encouragement to you. If you're not going to tithe your youth to, to the devil, you're going to have to be willing. You're going to have to be willing to find some new friends if your friends are pulling you down. But this third thing is so important. Hear me. I'm closing right here. So important. You're going, to be ha- you're going to have to be willing to stand alone. You have to be willing to stand alone. Because it will not be popular for you to stand for what is right. You will get ridiculed and you will get mocked and you will get made fun of by your friends. Your friends will make fun of you for standing for what is right for standing for truth. And you have to be willing that if you're not going to follow the ways of the world, you're not going to follow after Satan and his ways and his plans for your life, and you're going to stand up for truth, you have to be willing ultimately to, to, to stand alone. It doesn't matter if all my friends abandon me, if nobody wants to hang out with me, if I lose all of, my, all of my, my fun times on the weekend because nobody wants to be around me because I will not condone what they do, If I lose it all, you have to be willing to stand alone in what is true and what is right. Doing, Listen to me. Doing what is right and living for Christ will not always make you popular. But it is better to please the Lord than to be in the company of fools. Do you hear me? It is better to please the Lord than to be in the company of fools. The fool says in his heart, there's no God. The fool says in his heart that I can live however I want to live and there's no consequences for my actions. The fool says that I can can pursue the things of this world and things that are not good and unrighteous and sinful and it's not really going to impact me. That's what a fool does. But if you will follow after Christ, it is better to please the Lord and stand, stand alone and please the Lord than to be in the company of a fool. You got to be willing to stand alone. Have you ever felt like you've stood alone? 
Anybody here tonight? You ever felt like you've been alone in your stance for the Lord? You think, you know, if you read, if you read through, the, through the book of Psalms, you hear the cry of the psalmist David over and over again, God, am I the only one? The righteous are getting blessed. And I mean, the, 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 the wicked are getting blessed and I'm, I'm the righteous and the, and the righteous are suffering and we're alone. And sometimes they can feel like that. But ultimately, here's the reality. You may feel like you're standing alone, but you're not alone. You're not alone. And when you stand for righteousness and you stand for truth and you stand for the way of Christ over the way of the enemy, you are not alone. The Lord is with you. God's spirit dwells on the inside of you and he will give you courage. He will give you courage to make that decision to stand for what is right. I was looking, I was doing some research throughout history about people that stood, stood alone. And I was going to generate a list of people and show you some pictures and tell you a few, a few stories. But I decided not to do that. I just want to talk about it just for a moment. But if you think back through history, think about all the people that you remember throughout history. Not talking about Christians. Some of them can be Christians. But think about through history all the people you think of that are famous throughout history. And I want to tell you that more than likely, if they've done something significant in this life and in this world, it's because they stood alone because they believed what was true, what was right. They stood for their cause and they stood alone. Didn't matter what the world said, didn't matter what their friends said, didn't matter what anybody said. They were gonna stand for what was right, for what was good, for what was true. And they stood alone and history remembers them. History doesn't remember people who blend in, who become just like everybody else. You don't get remembered when you just become like everybody else. You get forgotten, is that, is, is that not true? You just blend in, you get forgotten. Like my wife and I were going to eat out downtown Homo on Monday, and I was wearing this shirt. I do have another shirt that I wore this Monday. It's kind of like my new favorite shirt. And I'm kind of ratting on myself that I wore it Wednesday. I think I wore it yesterday too. <laughs> well, well, I got it over the weekend. And like, well, I didn't wear it to work yet, so I'm going to wear it Tuesday too. So I wore it Monday, Tuesday, and today. You might not want to give me a hug. It smells good. I put cologne on it. But we were walking down this wall, walking down, not down this wall, down this sidewalk, and there was this wall, and the whole wall was this color, like almost exactly like the person who painted the wall took my shirt to Lowe's and said, can you color match? And they painted the wall, and so like I stood against the wall, and it was like I just completely blended in. So what happens when you blend in? That's right, you disappear. Life is like Tetris. Way to go, young man. Right? You disappear. It, when, when you blend in, hear me, listen, listen, listen. Just about done. When you blend in, when you blend in, you get forgotten. But when you're willing to stand alone, you'll be remembered. You'll be remembered. And if, if you stand for what is true and right and good and righteous and holy, and you, and you make a decision right now that I, when I leave here tonight, I'm forgetting peer pressure. I'm leaving peer pressure at the altar tonight. I'm leaving it here. I don't care what my friends think. They can ridicule me. They can mock me. They can make fun of me. They can tell me I'm a goody two-shoes. They can tell me that, that they think I'm, I'm better than them. I'm leaving that right here. I'm going to stand for what is true, what is right, and what is good. And I'm going to follow after the Lord, even if, even if it means that I stand alone. Amen? Just stand to your feet with me here tonight.
Would you close your eyes? I want to pray for you here tonight. So there may only be one person that answers this call. There may only be one person, and I'm I'm okay with that because I just encouraged us to be willing to stand alone. So if there is only one person, it will be a very courageous person. So if you're that one person here tonight, just be prepared that you you may you may be standing alone, but you're but you're okay with that. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a call, and and I'm going to get the e-group leaders if you're in the room just to come down up front and be ready to pray for any of the students that are courageous and come down and receive prayer. But if you're here tonight, and this may not be for everyone, and I, and I, everyone close your eyes. I don't want you looking at me. Don't look at the e-rubblers. I just want you to think. I want you to, I want you to, I want you to, th- to just between you and the Lord. Some of you here tonight, you're, you're doing everything I told you. You, you are not sowing your youth to the enemy. And you are, you are pursuing the Lord and you are hanging around people that are encouraging you to do that. So this is not for you, but maybe some of you here tonight, you're struggling in this area and you want the courage. You need the courage. As we sang that second song here tonight, you need the courage to be willing to stand alone, to make, to be to be courageous, to make the right choice, to pursue God with all of your heart. And if that's you, we want to pray for you here tonight. So if you need courage here tonight to stand for what is right, and you say that is me, I want to stand for what is right at my school. I want to stand for what is right in my family, on my job. And you want prayer for that here tonight. Won't you come down and find an e-group leader, your e-group leader, and come and receive prayer here this evening. Is there anybody, any courageous people here tonight? Amen. Just come on down and receive prayer.